Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realize that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing, or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd. Paula Clark, welcome to Human Stories. Thank you for talking to me. How are you? Oh, I'm really good, thank you. On this lovely 1st of June, Monday morning. It is indeed. You are a professional international makeup artist, poet and author. Would that describe you uh, at the moment? Yes, and um, also painter. I paint angels. Oh, yes, of course. Abstract um, oil paintings. Okay, well, you sound like a very busy lady, so we'll talk about your life in a minute. But I want to rewind the clock and go back in time to when you were at school and um, how was your life at that point and um, did you know what you wanted to do? Um, I am um, so first of all I had a really difficult I was one of these um, kids who had a really difficult childhood an abusive um, violent dad and then an alcoholic violent um, stepfather so that was our growing up life myself and four sisters and there wasn't a lot of love in our in our lives growing up. Mm. So, but saying that, um, I always knew I wanted to be a writer and a painter and run my own business. I excelled at school. I did very well, and I had some lovely friends. So, I've always had a very positive, um, outward future, or outward thinking um, personality. Very mm. rarely did did I ever get very low or down. Okay, well, that's good. And when did you start writing? How old were you? 13, 13, yeah. 14, 15. I used to write in a journal and then I used to write poems and I used to write my mum poems. Yeah. I adored my mum um, and she adored me. So I used to write her lots of poems all the time, just like a little poem. And then I'd buy her favourite sweet, which was a fudge, mm. finger fudge thing. And um, yeah, so I always started writing and then at 25 I wrote a book. Right. Okay. We'll come on to that in a second. Um, tell me a little bit about your adult life because, uh, you know, you just described how your childhood was. Your adult life was, um, it sounds like, equally traumatic for you. Well, I, um, I had, had plans to go to art college um, and I got accepted to go to art college. But as a family, we had something really traumatic happen and I saw I'd I actually swore I'd never pick up a paintbrush again because of it. And so I turned my place down art college, went to um, Israel for nine months, just an opportunity arose. And um, I was actually made homeless just before I went. So this is just after my A-levels. Um, and my stepfather kicked us out one by one and I was the last one. Thankfully, my friend took me in. Then I went to Israel for nine months. Thought, that's it. I was staying there. Hoped I'd marry someone out there and never come back. You know, that's how I saw my life. Yeah. Um, but I came back, slept on a friend's sofa, got into um, university in London, in Rafferty Institute. And then I did a dance and philosophy and theology degree, okay. which was totally random. Yeah. But I wanted to be a dance therapist and help autistic kids. So I saw that as my future. I let go of all my creative side. And I thought, yeah, I'll do that instead. Okay. But life has a funny way of turning things around. <laughs> I met my um, ex-husband when I was 21 in my second year of university. And um, I ended up working in sales, which I, I've i always hated. Mm. I've always hated. But I, I rose to national account manager for Sony. So 
it's very hard when you get involved in in a job like that you kind of get labeled so it's on your cv yeah so, and i tried so hard to get into the bbc i even applied for a news round readers um job once uh at the time they were only recruiting um they weren't recruiting people like me put it like that no. so with people like welsh you know welsh accents and so on so i um i applied for everything financial times i just always had big dreams and big ideas okay always that's good i must just um must just mention that i'm talking to you um remotely and you're in your conservatory <clears throat> and you have lots of birds tweeting outside, and that's what the squeaking noise is, dear listener, when you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> They're coming through loud and clear, bless them. That's fine. There's no problem. It's not interfering with anything, but people may wonder what that's going on in the background. That's great. Okay, so um, you went to university. You met your your uh, ex-husband. Um, then what happens in your life? Did you start... Um, when did you start uh, doing makeup? Uh, two years ago. Right, it's fairly recently. Yeah, so uh, I actually ran an online business for a while and was doing very well. Mm. And then we had some family trauma, my own family trauma. And uh, it was, when you run a network marketing business, it's all about, uh, you learn a lot about self-development and about being positive. Mm. When you don't have a positive attitude, when life is attacking you, which is what it feels like, and you get stuck into a negative mindset, and a victim mindset. It's really, really hard to then attract people to you, yeah. whether to your business or to buy your products. And yeah. so I've found that even though I built a really lovely level where I was, because my goal was to be self-sufficient for the kids and living in Surrey, you need to earn about 60 grand a year to be self-sufficient for the kids <laughs> um, as a single parent and still be there for them mm. because I was a single parent at the stage. So, after I'd kind of got through the traumatic stage, lost most of my um, clients and um, my team and couldn't do that business anymore, I then thought, what can I do? So I'd applied for lots of jobs and then somebody just said, you sh you're really good at makeup. Why don't you retrain as a makeup artist? So even though I would put my creativity aside, it was creeping in and um, I actually found I was very good at it. That's good. Okay, so uh, you ended up at, at Cannes and all sorts of places doing professional makeup. Um, what, any stories from from that trip? Uh, so, I've got a, so I've got a life coach. Um, I did. I had a life coach in two thousand and eighteen, and he's still my friend. He still checks in with me every now and again, and um, he gave me some great advice. He said, "Say yes to any opportunity and figure out the how afterwards." Oh. I know everyone knows that, right? But when you were a single parent with, by now I was in debt with everything falling around about me. So my little house of cards are completely flattened on the floor. And I thought, okay, how am I gonna get to Cannes? You know, I don't have any money, who's gonna look after the kids and all these what ifs, what ifs. And I just said, yes, literally, I said, yes. So the opportunity came, I had to fund myself, etc. But honestly, things just work out. I end up going to Gerard Depardieu's private dinner party with all his, because he had a new film out with um, all the producer and the director and the actors and actresses. But he was coming the next morning. So he was the only one who wasn't there. Um, met all these producers and so on. And it was like very surreal. And obviously um, I was with this team of models and part of a Dutch program called Life is Beautiful. 
and um, it was just really, really interesting. It was five full-on days. I think I slept about three hours each night. Mm. You know, we went out one night and it was like one guy bought caseloads of Dom Perignon and 800 francs. Uh, euros francs 800 euros um, per bottle and it was it was just all surreal it was very surreal the whole thing was surreal yeah interesting surreal well, most lots of can is surreal especially on the on the on the uh, seafront there isn't it it's just a different world i know it quite well okay that's good um and then did you carry on doing makeup after after that yes yeah, so um i did a lot of editorials hmm. um lots of fashion makeup so pretty much the first to well, I'd say eighteen months of my makeup was music, music videos, uh, fashion, uh, private weddings, etc. And you've been on and, some magazines. Yeah, so my work got into seven publications, and on the front cover of um, an international um, magazine, fashion magazine, which was wonderful. It was mm. amazing, with the beautiful model Angelina, Angelina Jolie, um, and. I've I was going to say Angelina, but anyway, Angelina. Uh, I was going to say Angelina Jolie, but it wasn't her, obviously. Um, <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> I think of her surname now, but Angelina, that'll do. And, um, and then I wanted to get into, but it doesn't pay very well. No. The fashion makeup world doesn't pay hardly anything. You know, I did London Fashion Week, all kinds of editorialism. It was really beautiful, and I love fashion. But I, as a parent I needed to earn more money for my children so I got more into TV and film well I started to get into film but I got into background infomercials commercials I had just secured so much work in in February March onwards it was ridiculous I had a feature film um, three shorts five commercials and uh, a sitcom a sitcom pilot as well as going to Cannes Film Festival as a paid makeup artist. I had all that secured. So it was like, yes, I made it. And then of course, it all got swept away. Who or what swept it away for you? Coronavirus. Right. Yeah, so I don't know when I'm going to be a makeup artist again. Um, I'm still a makeup artist, but I don't know when I'm going to be a working makeup artist mm. again. It, you know, it's a, it's very much um, hands-on, It's it's very, you need to touch the client's face to do makeup. Yeah. But I don't know how it's going to um, work. I don't know when I'm going to work in that environment no. yet. You're listening to Human Stories with me, Tony Lloyd, and I'm talking to Paula Clark about how she's coped with life's pressures and how she's adapted and relaunched herself as a successful writer. So I made a choice. I had my 48 hours of boohooing. <laughs> just before just before lockdown happened and um so then i thought okay so what other tools do i have in my tool bag what else can i do so at the time i was also doing interviews for the Brit, uh, brits awards after parties red carpet um awards uh, red carpet premieres i was writing for integrity magazine here in the uk and so i'd and then also I was getting involved in lots of events. So I knew that wasn't going to be happening right now. So, I, you know, I had, and I had a part-time job and that wasn't happening. So I thought, right, what can I do at home that I know that I may be able to make some money in the future? So I started to write. I'd already had a collection of poems, put them together. I had some illustrations, put them together, approached some publishing companies. I got three offers and I went with one who was highly recommended. They published my first poetry book, an ode 
to woman, which was great. And then I, I'd already started a self-help book um, end of August last year. I did about six weeks on it, wrote about 28,000 words because I had quiet time from the end of August for makeup um, to about middle of October. And so I, and I put that aside because I was really busy with the makeup work and the events work. And then I thought, right, I've got this book. Let's finish it. It was like all the arrows seemed to point to just get this book out there. And it's basically a self-help book to help people exactly in the same position I was. No money, single parent. Um, it's actually called The Seven Traits of a Highly Successful Single Parent. And it's all the tools you need to get up and get out there again. And I wrote it. I think in four weeks, I wrote 45,000 words because I didn't have my younger two with me. I only had my older one at the time. And, and, and she she's a teenager. She's nearly 18. She gets out of bed at three in the afternoon. Yeah. So I got up at seven. I disciplined myself. And I just wrote for about five, six hours a day. Wow. And then it was finished. Spent two weeks editing it. Sent it to the publisher. And they, they loved it. And I think today, tomorrow, or Wednesday, my second book of lockdown is going to be on Amazon. That's fantastic. Is there going to be another one? I've got plans. <laughs> I, I somehow knew you were going to say that. So I've already, um, I've already started. I've got um, a poetry book come, that will be two poetry books planned um, by October. One I'm working with my teenager on. And then the, I've already... I'm already halfway through one novel and a quarter way through another two novels, which I have been through the last six years. And I've just knew that they weren't the right time. So I'll revisit those in 2021. And um, I think it's time I actually started to try to sell and promote myself with the other two books first before I then start launching any more books. <laughs> do, yeah, do you think that you may be taking on too much all at once? Oh, me now. So Les Brown, who is my invisible mentor, I love him. He said, I live on this. He said, don't let the ghosts of your past die with you. And ghosts of your talents, sorry. Don't let the ghosts of your talents die with you. And, I, and I'm also a painter. So I'm an international painter. Um, I, say an inter I love saying international painter because I sold, my first painting I sold was to a guy in New York who then took it to L.A., and who had three films and three, he's got a three book, three film deal. And I was going to be involved in the merchandising. It's all about angels. Mm. Um, I just sold another one over, I got a commission over the holiday, over the holidays, <laughs> over the lockdown. Um, because I see it as a holiday. You see, I, it mentally, I, I put it down as a holiday for me. Okay, you're incredibly busy. What would you say to a woman specifically listening to this? Uh, who may be struggling with their life, and everybody's got a, a, a some sort of struggle in their life. You've had your struggles that you've briefly touched on. Um, people listening to this would also maybe have some struggles. What would you say to uh, those women listening to this to encourage them and to, to see the future? Well, sometimes when we're in a when we're in a cave, which is what life sometimes feels like, life is happening through the hole that we see outside of our cave. It's all right for them. Life goes on out there, but I'm in my cave. I'm stuck. I don't know how to get out of this cave. It's cold, it's dark, it's depressive. I really don't know how to get out of this cave. I would just say take baby steps towards the light. Whatever that is, whether it's a goal, a dream, um, uh, a job, 
baby steps. Every single step you take is a step forward. If you're just standing still, you're not really going anywhere. If you're looking behind you, you're looking at the past, it's just dragging you back. Take a baby step, whatever it is. If you want to lose weight, for example, maybe just say, right, I'm, I'm just going to go for a 20-minute a light jog or I can't do a light jog. I just did a 15-minute light jog. That was quite hard work. Or maybe like a brisk walk. Maybe I'll just, you know, go for a bit of a faster walk. If if there's a job that you want to go for or you, and you have to retrain, just look for the courses. Take baby steps out of the space you're in. And, and you know, I bite big chunks, but I spent a long time hiding in the cave. You know, I wanted to be a writer when I was 15. I didn't become a writer until I was 51, right? I'm 51 now. I didn't become a writer until I was 51, but did I ever give up on that dream? No. I wrote poems and I just didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the self-belief. Just tell yourself it's possible. And that's what um, the motivational speaker says, Les Bryan. He said, it's possible. Just don't say I can't. Just say I can. It's possible. And it doesn't matter if it's not going to happen tomorrow or the next week or the next month or even this year. Just keep telling yourself it's possible and, and start believing in yourself more because you are worth it. Fantastic advice. Yeah, that's good. I can see where you're coming from there. That's great. I know people will benefit from listening to that. That's good. So um, how do people get hold of your books? Where where can they buy them? Um, where can they see them? Uh, have your website? So um, you can go to Amazon. They'll be on Amazon. So An Ode to Woman. My um, So my name is Paula Love Clark. That's my writing and painting name, Paula Love Clark. And it's called An Ode to Woman, which is already out. It's been out since the beginning of May. And then the other book, The Seven Traits of a Highly Successful Single Parent, that will be on Amazon in the next couple of days. Oh, and you can check me out on Facebook, Paula Love Clark Creative. Fantastic. Paula, thanks very much for talking to me on Human Stories. I know people are going to benefit from listening to this. Uh, Thank you once again. Take care. Tony, thank you for having me. Human Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that they'll somehow inspire and help other people. Get in touch if you've got a story to tell. If you or your organisation would like a professional podcast series to get your message across, contact me to chat about the very reasonable costs involved. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd.